I inherently believe that loneliness is a white supremacist construct. I do not think that it is something that is inherent to humans and or to people. I think we have a lot of platforms and devices that distract us and make us feel like we are more connected, but we aren't. Welcome to So Ambitious, a podcast series about what's possible when Black and Latinx founders can build uninterrupted. I'm your host, Felicia Hatcher. I'm an author, an entrepreneur, an investor, and a mom. I'm also the CEO of Black Ambition, a nonprofit initiative founded by the Pharrell Williams, working to close the opportunity and wealth gap for Black and Latinx communities through entrepreneurship. In today's episode, we're hearing from Naj Austin, CEO and founder of Somewhere Good, an audio platform for intimate community conversations. Naj created Somewhere Good because she felt like there weren't many good places left for people to come together for genuine community building. Luckily for Naj, growing up, she saw firsthand what it meant to have an idea and water it to life. So my stepdad is an entrepreneur, um, started his own company. I think it really just rooted the idea of possibility to be able to have an idea and to realize it into something. I am a child of five. I have like 25 first cousins. Lots of people, lots of talking, lots of ideas. With that awareness of possibility, Naj also saw the realities of owning a small business. You know, running a company that's not venture-backed, there are money concerns, financial concerns, future concerns, and I think I felt all of it. As she started her own career, Naj followed the draw of entrepreneurship and possibility, but to a different kind of business. Naj ventured into the world of startups, where she learned how crucial venture capital was for the companies she worked for. So I started my career working at startups, um, early stage startups who you know, were either trying to raise venture capital money or had not. And well, I learned a lot. Um, I learned a lot about, you know, how, the, the language and sort of the speak that goes on behind closed doors, why gatekeeping or how the gatekeeping works in the venture capital world, how to talk to investors, how to build a product, how to build a team, how to run out of money, how to raise more money. It's like I, I had a crash, like a one-on-one class in how to run a venture-backed startup. Okay. Let's take a minute here to talk about startups and how they differ from small businesses. Startup founders tend to want to create a business with a rapidly scalable and repeatable business model that usually requires significant capital with the hopes of larger returns. The quicker they scale, the more attractive their company becomes to potential investors. On the other hand, small businesses are more traditional and play more of a long game. For them, it's more useful to create reliable and long-term income streams or lifestyle businesses. By the time she was in her late 20s, Naj has seen the ins and outs of small business ownership and startup entrepreneurship. She knew what it took to take an idea and bring it from concept to MVP, a minimal viable product. She understood the importance of customer service and the value of hiring the right people. She anticipated long days and late nights. And she knew she wanted to pursue this path for herself. There was just one blocker. The issue I kept finding was it was never something that I really believed in. And I learned very quickly that to stick with it, it has to be something that you are obsessed doesn't even capture it. But like, it really is in the way that you breathe and see the world. 
And if I were to go down that path, I had to feel that way about whatever I was doing. I unfortunately live very much in the present. And if I am not happy and thriving in the present, we're all having a bad time. <laughs> and so I made the choice of like, for me to actually be happy in that future space, I need to be happy now and doing what I want now. I was in a room full of people and I said, I could do this. If I found something that I was truly passionate about, I could do this. It's really important to believe in the work that you do. The first person to sell to is not someone else. It's actually selling to yourself. You have to believe in you. And if not, people can feel the fear that you embody instead of feeling like you have the solution to their problems or that you can get them a return on their investment. All they believe is a disbelief in the product. And so you have to believe in it first. So Naj spent time thinking about what she believed in, what problems and issues were worth her obsession. I think it's something that I've been thinking about since I started my entrepreneurial journey, which was around this idea of like, I want to connect people better. So Naj got to work to make that happen. My first venture was Ethel's Club, um, which was a physical implementation of what that could look like. Opened in late 2019, Ethel's Club was a social and wellness club in Brooklyn, New York. Members of Ethel's Club had access to workshop events, as well as social mixers that encouraged community building through open and honest conversations. What made it different from other social clubs, like The Wing or WeWork, was that it was meant to be an escape. One that centered Black identity through art, wellness, music, and joy. One year into opening, though, the pandemic came along and completely stunted the possibility of in-person anything. The sudden halt in gathering physically meant that Naj had to shift her community building efforts. Like most of us, she found herself spending lots of time on social media. Not just using it, but really analyzing it. She remembered a time when social media used to be fun and safer. But by 2020, the culture online was totally different. I think the shift is that we're all brands now. We are all brands that are meant to sell to one another, to be consumed by one another. Now everyone is selling something, an ebook, their TikTok, a t-shirt, a themselves, right? Consult. I mean, it has really transformed how we even think about people. And I think in that, we're not in communal spaces. We're in malls that are just spread out in all different types of malls. Malls where people can only talk in X amount of characters, malls where there are videos, malls where there are images. I don't want to be in malls. I want to talk to my friends. I want to maybe meet new people. Um, and I don't want to meet new people because they're trying to sell me a water bottle. I want to meet them because we read the same book and we have the same thoughts, but where do I go to find that? And thinking about the lack of community she felt online was a pretty lonely thought. Loneliness is like, I mean, there's that statistic where it's like, worse than if you smoked six cigarettes a day or something, loneliness is worse. And like, you know, there's always, you know, the, the flashy stats, but communal connection is a core part of our well-being. And when we don't honor that and or recognize that as a truth, the problem will perpetuate. I inherently believe that loneliness is a white supremacist construct. I do not think that it is something that is inherent to humans and or to people. I think we have a lot of platforms and devices that distract us and make us feel like we are more connected, but we aren't. Well, many of us cannot live without our phones, tablets, or computers. We're constantly connected through social media sites like Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. But research suggests a link between spending excessive time on social media and depression. So does spending too much time on social media like Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat actually increase 
loneliness and depression. A recent article from the Wall Street Journal suggests that teenagers and young adults are becoming more anxious and depressed, solitary, because of the increased use of social media. The reality became too much for Naj to ignore. Everything I'm using, all these different platforms, are just not cutting it. And then had the very wild, you know, we've been cooped in our houses for many months idea of what if we actually created the technical platform? What if we built it from scratch ourselves in our likeness in the way that we want the, a platform to feel um, and look like? And so we did. By the top of 2021, Somewhere Good was born. And so Somewhere Good is an attempt um, a pathway to help people feel more connected to the people around them, to the communities in which they spend their time. We really just want to help people talk to each other more. Whew, let's just take a minute to process all that. Naj started a company, then the pandemic derailed it, and now she was getting ready to start another one. I can relate to that. But as with any idea, there comes a time where you just have to start putting pen to paper and make it happen. I hear from many aspiring entrepreneurs, they just don't know where to begin. And so Nas started with designing the app experience. She didn't just focus on what to build, but who would build it and how it would be built. Most apps that we know are built by white people, specifically white men, who want us to act and interact in a very specific type of way. What happens when an app is built by Black, queer, trans people from that first idea of like, what does a login screen look like? What does it feel like? What are we asking? When do pronouns come up? How is that displayed on one's profile? How do we ensure that no one's ever, um, their pronouns are never uh, used incorrectly? That if they want to have an anonymous name that is just as respected because being Black and queer online is tends to be scary and volatile and we want to ensure, like all of these things are thought of before we ever wrote a line of code. And we went through every rabbit hole. The building of Somewhere Good was incredibly collaborative, and I feel like it's always important to name that because I didn't do anything by myself. <laughs> we have this sort of team that's coming in it with a lot of perspectives, but are not rooted in sort of like what I almost think of as like white practices and how you build an app. Okay, we have five emojis on Somewhere Good. The amount of meetings we had over those five emojis, like not, okay, so the fire emoji, what does that make you feel? Like if I use that, what am I thinking? What do I want you to feel if you receive? Like, I mean, seriously, it was like, okay, are these the five? Are we sure? Do we want to have one more real quick sync on like the five? Okay, when we say privacy, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? Um, until it felt like we got to our truth of what that means. For Naj and her team, it meant building something truly unique. I want it to feel unlike any app you've been on. If someone downloads somewhere good and they're like, oh my gosh, this reminds me of Twitter, we failed. I'm like, we're building a different type of product that is healthy and what I consider more of like a vitamin. A vitamin? There's this framework in, in software building. Are you a uh, an aspirin, a sugar rush, or a vitamin? Vitamins, much harder to get people to take. But when they take them, they tend to feel better. They live a longer life. <laughs> They're healthier. But humans are creatures of habit. We expect new things to still behave like the old things we're used to. So when people hear social media app, they anticipate the same features and functionality they've grown accustomed to. Naj anticipated that. We have to almost re-educate people and how they should connect with, with each other online. 
are you engaging or are you just endless scrolling? Because there is endless scrolling and our lizard brains just allow us to scroll indefinitely until we feel terrible. Somewhere good is a return of humanity and just reminding people, like, remember when we just have conversations with people and there were no expectations and they would make you feel good, they make you laugh, they make you think, and then you just go about your day and that was absolutely fine. So let's get into what it's actually like to go somewhere good. When you first open the app, you're invited to enter a number of worlds or rooms where people are having conversations via voice notes. Each world has a theme and a prompt to get the conversation going, and they change every 24 hours. And safety is a huge priority. We always take the side of the person who's been harmed or someone who thinks harm is happening, period. This idea of how do you build in features to encourage better behavior. We went with audio and specifically voice notes because we wanted it to feel human. I'm probably not going to leave a voice note cursing you out because people don't really like to say with their chest. They like to be keyboard warriors. And what we found in that is people are so affirming. Like it really humanizes what it means to have a communal connection. And in a huge departure from popular social platforms, Somewhere Good made the intentional decision to exclude likes. What I find fascinating is that Naj and her team have turned user experience design into a world-building exercise. Similar to physics, every decision made about a product's feature and experience has an equal and opposite reaction. They affect how people behave, how they feel, and over time can build a culture. I think there are ways to create environments in which behavior is had. There is almost virtually no way to become an influencer or creator on somewhere good. Maybe, maybe someone will hack it and figure it out and I just am not aware of it. But in the way that we built it, not the best place to do that. But it is a good way to just have a conversation and just be yourself in which maybe you're not doing that in other platforms. There's no hierarchy. Nobody gets to talk over the next person because they are more important or have a blue check. You're not coming here to take up space because you believe you deserve to do so. Conversations are equal. The bets Naj and her team took on Somewhere Good proved valuable. They found that a lot of people were interested and invested in having real conversations. People were engaging on the app in a major way. On average, a consumer social platform the average engagement time is like, let's say five minutes, I think five or six. Ours is about 15 minutes that a person spends on the app. And that is with no bad design behavior, right? There's no endless scrolling. There are no ads screaming at you. There's not secret algorithmic plotting so that I know how to keep you on the app. It is, you were only on the app for 15 minutes because you want to be there. And I think that is almost a stronger metric that we have done nothing behind the scenes. People want to be here talking with one another. They want to be here listening to people. They want to be here just because. Naj felt really good about the connections that people were making on Somewhere Good. And as the world slowly began to open up in the spring of 2021, she knew that in-person connection and community were an important piece to the puzzle. So when I think of communal connection, it is a hybrid. It is both digital and it is both in-person. Um, A lot of things that I think about are how, you know, 50% of Americans don't have a house of worship. They are not connected to a physical space in which they can commune with the world around them, themselves and others. And where are we going in lieu of that? Naja's team came up with the idea for a dedicated brick and mortar space where folks could come and do whatever the hell they wanted to play games, to read a book, to chill with friends. By June 2022, 
they opened a community space in Brooklyn. Like the app, the team paid attention to every detail of the space, from the layout, furniture, scents, activity, and of course, the codes of conduct. Yeah, it's a pretty radical concept in the fact that it is free and we ask nothing of you, which people always struggle with. So we offer it as a place to rest, to read, to play, to put a puzzle together, to talk to someone, to dream, to take a nap, whatever you feel called to do. Um, We politely ask that people don't um, perform labor while they're in the space. So we, 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 we've designed it as a place of care. And what does it look like to have a space in which you can just literally be? When people come in, they are so uncomfortable with that ask. They are so uncomfortable in not performing, um, in not consuming, in not purchasing, that they don't know what to do with themselves. They are so fidgety. And I'm like, yes, that is what we need more of. We need more. Black people, Indigenous people, people of color, queer people, just sitting, taking up space. So by 2022, Naj and her team have built both a social media platform and community space that totally disrupt what we've come to expect in both kinds of experiences. If you're like me, you might be thinking, there's a small elephant in the room. How was Naj able to fund hiring a team to develop a high quality product and secure real estate in one of the most expensive markets in the country? So I always tell people to, and this is just a good entrepreneurial like rule or like way to build, is to start with one. You need one product, one investor, one person to do it. The years Nash spent working in startups exposed her to conversations about venture capital and were a huge asset that she leveraged to build Ethel's Club and then somewhere good. She used the insights she gathered to develop an investment strategy for her newest venture. To start, she knew she needed to find investors that believed in her vision. When you speak with investors, specifically venture capitalists, you're selling them and, and sharing with them your vision that is very far in the future, but it's also very much rooted in, if I get this right, this is how I will make the world a better place, right? I know that's very like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. But that was part of my pitch. I mean, I lead with, I'm going to solve loneliness. It won't exist once somewhere gets done doing what they're doing. And you'll never guess where Naj found her first investor for Ethel's Club, or who it was. That very first investor was Roxanne Gay, the author. I was just tweeting. I was tweeting, I'm working on this company, and we're going to do this, and it's going to be like this. Was it any of those things? Absolutely not. It was a tweet. I was just saying stuff. And I happened to be at an event where Roxanne Gay was, and I went and talked to her and just didn't even pitch, because I was also like, I'm too, it'd be too weird to be like, hello, I have, like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And she was like, I recognize your name. Don't you have that, that company, Ethel's Club? And I'm all like, oh God, okay, maybe, I don't know. And she's like, are you looking for investors? And I'm like, okay. And she's like, okay, I want to invest. I was like, what? Like, girl, I don't have a bank account. But that, that was me putting myself out there. Naj knew she had to strike while the iron was hot. I was able to then go into other meetings and say, Roxanne Gay is my investor. And those people are thinking, am I like Roxanne Gay? Do I believe in the same products that Roxanne Gay believes in? If so... Me too. I'm in. If not, I'm out. And it starts to be very clear. Now you've got three Roxanne Gays or, you know, other people. And it starts to tell that narrative Um, because being an entrepreneur is just storytelling. You're telling the story to yourself. You're telling the story to your team. You're telling the story to investors. You're telling the story to consumers. Like you are just 
telling that story. And the more you have to tell that story, it becomes easier. I go into rooms and I say, like, these are my investors. This is my product. It's really clear how I move. Um, it's really clear to other investors who want to be like my investors or are already like them that that's the room that they should be in. Um, so it's you creating the room that you want to exist if you can't find it. It's not surprising that the person who wanted to create a space for Black folks to be in community online is creating literally rooms filled with investors that respect her vision. It's important to remember that investors need you. Because it's a relationship and founders and entrepreneurs sometimes forget this, but I'm like, you have just as much power in that room. They may have the check, but you have the vision. And only one thing is going to make everybody rich at the end of the day, the vision. (laughs) And so when I'm in meetings, I'm really transparent and clear about what my expectations are. And I really urge people to think about it as relationships. Every single time it is a new person you're entering a relationship with, with all that that encompasses, are you okay with that? I have had investors reach out to me and I do my quick, you know, 12 minutes of research and I say, I don't think that this would be a good fit. Because investors, you have to work with them. It's a marriage. It's like an eight to 12 year long, especially venture backed. I'm like, we gotta be on call. I gotta be emailing you once a month. Like, if I don't wanna talk to you, you probably shouldn't be my investor. They are real, true collaborators. They're partners in this journey with me. Because the founder-investor relationship is so intimate, Naj recognized that she needed to have a clear sense of vision and discernment when it came to deciding which investors to move forward with. Good investors are pitching themselves. They're trying to get in too. They're like, I heard everybody else is investing. They're also like, wait, wait. I'm valuable outside of my money. Um, And I think I just skew for investors that are like that and made a choice to only continue talking to investors where I felt that of like, I want you to feel like you've read something and you send me the article. I want you to feel like you're like, I had a thought about somewhere good. Can you talk for 10 minutes? Like I'm someone who thrives off of collaboration. The most valuable asset outside of capital is for you to get on a call and spiral with me for an hour. If you don't have that time, I'll find you later. We don't got to, we can still be in contact, you know, but maybe not this time. And I just held that as my truth. I equate investor relationships in the early days as almost like a shotgun marriage. You're getting to know them. They're getting to know you. You want to make sure everyone has the best intentions and create a win-win situation. But most entrepreneurs get so wowed by the money that they don't vet investors as much as the investors are vetting them. And you must vet your investors. Most people tell entrepreneurs that they're going to hear a hundred no's before they get to a yes. But as an entrepreneur trying to find the right investor to be on your cap table, you might also dish out a few no's before you get to the yes too. And holding those ideas as her truth allowed Naj to build a team of investors that were looking to amplify and support her visions. And we all know word of mouth travels fast. So as investors came on board, more quickly followed. Every single investor came from, I talked to so-and-so at my last meeting and they said, I had to talk to you. How does that person know? Because I don't shut up. I'm like, I'm trying to change the world. I can't do it alone. Are you in or are you out? I need to know who's on the side of somewhere good and who's on somewhere bad because we got things to do. And the one person in your corner is you. And so you have to build up that community. 
Um, so unfortunately it does require putting oneself out there, but I promise like it's nothing but affirmations and blessings that come your way upon doing so. Nadja's ability to remain true to her vision and seek out investors that align with that vision are such necessary steps in achieving your wildest dreams with your business. Naj was insistent on creating an environment that hadn't existed for Black people and was intentional about the features and ways people would be in community with one another, even if that meant being in a space doing nothing at all. Naj had an idea that she watered and brought to life, an ambitious feat indeed. And with Somewhere Good, the app and physical space, the world is starting to feel a little less lonely. Black ambition is rooted in boundless imagination being realized. I think that every Black person I've ever met can and should and ideally will create something with their minds. We often don't have the privilege of imagination to do so. And I want that for us. I want us to have the ability to imagine everything, anything, and be able to take that, turn it into ambition and create it. On the next episode of So Ambitious, we'll hear from Bononi Tago, the head of business development for Hooray Media, as well as the president of radio, the audio arm of Hooray. I thought that I always wanted to just make a lot of money and, you know, to have power, right? I understood later in life that it wasn't about control and power and money. It was about having control of your life and not doing things that you don't want to do because you need the money. That's next time on So Ambitious. To learn more about Somewhere Good, check out the show notes and be sure to subscribe, like, and rate to So Ambitious wherever you're listening right now. So Ambitious is a Black Ambition production brought to you by Heineken and co-produced by Moso House and You Had Me at Black. Our executive producers are Martina Abrahams Ilunga and Ivana Tucker. Samaya Adams is our supervising producer. This episode was produced by Jess Jupiter. Charlotte Morley is our associate producer. Our music is composed by Terrell Brooke. Sapphire Stubbs is our marketing consultant. Special thanks to Moses Shoyola at Othertone and Samia Malik, Christine Joseph, and Jermaine Sherman at Black Ambition. I'm your host, Felicia Hatcher.